Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. When we get into the message today, I believe I'll stick with the notes for the most part, but I want to talk about something I think all of us have dealt with, and the title of today's message would be this, Get Up, Don't Give Up. Get up. Come on, say, get up. Don't give up. Now, there's a scripture in Proverbs. Yes, it's the Old Testament. We believe in the old and the new here, right? But we just know how to allocate it within the new covenant. But in Proverbs 24, verse 16, the writer says this. For though the righteous fall seven times, what happens? They rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Now, this is a, this is a really, really awesome verse to me, and I want to kind of break some of this apart today. But, you know, a few weeks ago, how many were all the storms that we were having? It was just crazy. It was just a really wet season. It was raining. It was nuts. Well, during this time, I remember looking out the, the back door one night, in fact, and the skies became dark, and I love that. I love I love darkness. You heard your pastor say that before? No, but I love when it's dark. I love when the storms kind of roll in and everything changes and it gets cool. But the winds were so wild that we have some trees in the backyard that are like this big around, and they were blowing around like they were blades of grass. And I kind of was like, okay. Now, I'm, I'm a little freaking out here because I don't want those to go over. Well, a couple days later, a neighbor came over and said, hey, just want to let you know that uh, one of your tree limbs had broken off during one of the storms and had fallen in our yard. And so we went over and we took a look at it and literally where it had fallen because of all the wetness and rain, the sun wasn't able to get through because it was this huge limb that kind of went down to a branch and then all these little branches and there were leaves everywhere. And so it covered, it kind of was like a canopy. And so when I actually, when I walked into it, I kind of sunk down on my nice shoes and I was really irritated. I was like, and I'm like, oh, come on. And so it was just this muck and this mud and in fact, you know what, sometimes, you know, it's really important to have friends, right? Really important to have neighbors. So I have this neighbor, Randy, because the first thing I thought was somehow I've got to cut this up. Now, I do own a chainsaw, but I had never used it. It was given to me. But I thought Randy. Now, Randy knows how to use a chainsaw. He knows how to use guns and archery and all that stuff, right? So I called him up and said, hey, man, will you come help me out? Because we need to clear this thing out. I want to get it out of the neighbor's yard. And so we began to do this. Now, now we had a blast that day, and, and Randy helped out immensely. We ended up having you know, awesome dinner on the patio together with his family, and he helped out. But, you know, as I was, as I was kind of looking at the scenario of this falling fallen tree limb into this muck, I began to think about us on our own lives. You know, a lot of times we fall. Sometimes we fall really, really hard. How many have been there? And so when we fall, sometimes we don't just fall down into fluffy green grass. We fall into the muck of life. Uh, We fall into adversity. We fall into, we could say, just complete failure. And I think we've all been there. And I'm looking at this verse, and it really reminds me of this idea of falling down, because we all do. Notice here it says, for the righteous fall seven times. See, just like the limb down in the muck, we sometimes fall down in the muck of life, don't we? So this verse in Proverbs is saying exactly the same thing, that we fall, righteous or wicked. Do you pick this up? Whether you're righteous or you're wicked, sometimes in life we do fall. 
Now, if someone were to ask you the difference between the righteous or the wicked, we might answer with some things like this. The righteous are God's chosen and the wicked aren't. Or maybe the righteous are those ones that go to church every single Sunday. But of course, the wicked person, they don't. Or maybe the righteous person doesn't sin. They live a perfect life, but the wicked person does. But when I look at this verse in Proverbs, it provides us with a completely different definition. Again, it says, for though the righteous, what? Fall seven times, they rise again. This word righteous here in the Hebrew is the word sadiq, and it really means this, one who has a just cause. In other words, listen, my intentions are clean and clear with good conscience. It also means this, an honest person. Have you ever known, had a good friend, you're like, man, they have integrity, they have honesty, but how many know even those who are honest will fall at times? No matter how often honest people fall, they always get up again. That's Proverbs 24, 16 out of the Good News Bible. So it's speaking here of people who are honest, people who have a just cause. But let me ask you this question this morning. What is your definition of a righteous person? Think about that for a minute. What is your definition of a righteous person? I mean, when I think of righteous, I think right standing, someone who has been saved, someone who does the will of God, someone who, um, you know, they're, they're, they're loving, they're honest, they're good, they're true. But stop for a moment and just consider this and be honest. Did your definition include of a righteous person, did it include the words, someone who fails a lot? It didn't for me. But what does this verse say? It says that a righteous person may fall, and they may fall a lot. I want us to pick up on this. We get this idea that, well, you know, I'm a righteous person, and Pastor Kristen even said this today, how many have ever asked the why or the what? Like, why me, God? Why me? What, what have I done to deserve this? But right here in Proverbs, the, the writer in this book of supposed wisdom says that whether you're righteous or wicked, you're going to fall. You're going to fail. You're going to go through adversity. You're going to go through circumstances. You're going to go through tragedy in life. It's like, thanks, pastor. You're not dismissed yet. It gets better. But but the truth is, we all go through stuff, which is why for me, when, whenever I, I have a situation, you know, uh, we all have stories, right? I, I remember the situation where I was talking to a gentleman on a job site who's a believer, uh, goes to a different church in the area and, and, uh, we were talking about one of the guys who, who works, you know, one of the contractors and some things that happened in his life that weren't the best. And his answer, now, now hear, hear my heart here because I love this brother and, and all of us are indoctrinated at some point somewhere, every single person. Even if you're an atheist, you're indoctrinated. It just means you have a certain mode of thinking, a certain mode of doing, certain beliefs. But his answer for what this gentleman was going through was, well, see, that's what happens when you're living in sin. And I bit my tongue so hard, I think a little blood came out. Because what I wanted to say is, so why aren't you going through tragedy right now? Well, what do you mean? Because what sin are you dealing with right now? See, there's a difference between righteousness and self-righteousness. Does that make sense? And so, again, I love my brother. Listen, 
we all, I believe, have good intentions for the most part. And so we say things, it's because of indoctrination, it's what we believe. But the truth is, whether you're considered righteous or wicked, we all fall. It's not that the righteous don't stumble. It's not that the righteous don't sin or miss the mark. It's that they get up after they fall. And I believe that's by the encouragement of our Heavenly Father. They say, look it, let's get up. We can get through this. I know the diagnosis. I know what the bills say. I know what you've been told, but this is how I see you. And sometimes I wish I had all the answers, but I don't. And sometimes I may ask God, and he doesn't tell me exactly why, the when, the how, the what. Those are things I just don't understand. I may not understand the eternity, but that's okay with me because this is a walk of faith, right? But I do know through the scriptures and most especially through the words of Jesus, how the father feels about me, how the father sees me and he does see me as righteous. That's just a big, long religious word that means right relationship, really. Right standing, like God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. It was something he did for us. And he brought us into favor. That's what reconcile means. And all we have to do is awaken to who we are. But for a lot of us, we haven't yet. Even if we prayed a prayer, even if we've gone to church for 25 years, some of us, especially in, in different facets of our life, we have not yet awakened to who we are. Even me, I'm still learning, right? That's why we're told to work out our salvation. See, salvation isn't necessarily a ticket that's punched so you can go to a place later after you die. In the Greek, we know it means what? It means safety, preservation, deliverance, healing, and wholeness. How many can use a little of that right now in different areas of your life? And so that's really what it's about. But look at, I mean, just because we're righteous doesn't mean we don't stumble, we don't fall, we don't go through adversity, we don't get bad reports. I mean, we all go through these things. And in Hebrew culture, this is interesting, the phrase here, because it says, even if the righteous fall, what, seven times. This is interesting to me. So I'm thinking, well, what if we do eight? Can we not get up now? But in Hebrew, in their culture, seven times was not always an exact number. It was frequently used to indicate a whole lot or an extreme amount. We could say it like this, the righteous are frequent fallers. You didn't wake up this morning thinking you're coming to church and your pastor was going to say the righteous are frequent fallers, did you? <laughs> but, but it's true. We all go through adversity. We all fall. We are not exempt from falling consistently and perhaps even completely. Now, to get a better idea of this term, uh, have you, in English, we say things like this, like especially to our kids. Listen, I've told you literally a thousand times. Does it mean you actually literally told them 999 plus one? Okay, maybe. Bad example. Okay. But my point is, we've not counted. If you're keeping count, there's a problem here, folks. Forgive your children and move on, right? Uh, we just found some areas in your, in your soul that need healing there. But, but the point is, we say things like, listen, I, I've, I've told you or I've done this literally a hundred times, but maybe it's only been five or six or eight or ten. And so when, whenever they write things in the scriptures, especially the seven, when they say seven times, it really just means a lot. Here's an example. 
In the book of Daniel, we have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many remember that story? Well, in that story, it says that King Nebuchadnezzar ordered that the furnace be heated seven times hotter. Now, did someone actually go, I mean, was there a click or a dial somewhere? Of course not. This is ancient times. What it means is it was a whole heaven of a lot hotter than it was before. Does that make sense? In fact, King David in Psalm, he said this, seven times a day I will praise you. Now, do you really think that David was like, now listen, Lord, I'll do more than six, but I can't do eight. No, he was saying, I will continually praise you. So can you see, sometimes we got to get into the, the culture and the Hebrew culture, this number seven was really, really important. So in Proverbs here, to say that a righteous person may fall seven times is saying that a righteous person, along with a wicked person, may fall excessively, a lot, over and over again. And when I first really started reading this and clicking into what it was saying, it kind of blew my mind a little bit. I'm like, wait a second, this is a righteous person. Because we see the part of getting up, but how are we missing the part of falling down over and over again? Because here's the issue with that. When we fail, when we fall, when we stumble, when we sin, when we get adversity you know, coming at us, when we get a bad report in our life, a lot of times we ask questions like this. Why me? Or how about this? What did I do to deserve this? And, and that's two different attitudes. Some people really mean it like, I don't believe that I deserve this. Others are like, I got to really figure out why this is coming to me right now because this has to be my fault. Because they've gotten some bad indoctrination or theology about a God who's retributive. He's trying to get you back. He's going to put sickness on you to teach you a lesson. Heresy. That's not my father. Sorry. That offends you, we'll talk later. But there's no way that I'm a better father than the heavenly father. And I would not in a million years wish sickness upon my kids to teach them a lesson. I wouldn't in a million years hope that their foot got run over by the, land, by the lawnmower so maybe next time they'll stay out of the way. That's sick. And so unfortunately, we do have people who have good intentions who preach or teach or talk about a father who is just full of anger and retribution, but I'm here to say he's full of love and he wants to restore your life. See, God doesn't like when we stumble and fall. He doesn't like when we fall into sin or we missed up because he knows it's hurting us. But he's always looking for ways to help us come out of those situations. And I found this, I have learned something in those situations, but it wasn't God trying to teach me a lesson, right? He's working that out. Does that make sense? I want to make sure we understand that. But I think it's important here. This really stood out to me in Proverbs. It says that a righteous person may blow it a lot, but I think the key is in the second part of that sentence, but he gets up again. Get up, don't give up. No matter what you're going through, Listen, I've not gone through some of the things that some others have, but in my own life, right, I've gone through things where I just thought, is it even worth it anymore? I'm not talking about just life. Yes, I've had suicidal thoughts in my life. It's been a long time. The love of the Father has really brought me out of some of those things. 
But, but I'm just saying, even in a situation where you're just ready to give up on your marriage, you're ready to give up on that job, you're ready to give up on your children, you're ready to give up because of the doctor's report, you're ready to give up because it just seems the, these bills are mounting and it seems insurmountable. What I'm saying is don't give up. If you feel you're down, it's time to say, I need to get up. But guess what? We don't do it on our own. We do it with the help of the Father, the help of the Holy Spirit. They're there with us through every situation. What an awesome way to see righteousness. What a wonderful way to define success. It's not about how many times we fall. It's about how much we persevere, how much we push through, how much we begin to see ourselves through the eyes of the Father as to who we are and what we're made for. That's beautiful. In fact, the Jewish sages explain the verse in the following way. Because a person falls but gets up again, they become righteous. This is what, what the rabbis will say. They're saying through the adversity, you actually become more righteous when you go through those situations. How many have ever learned something from a stumble or a fall? I have. So we have to, it's not that we, we celebrate the fall. Yay, it was great. I lost my job. Isn't it amazing? People are like, wow, have another one, buddy, you know? But it's looking at, okay, I lost this job, but maybe there's something better for me. You know, for me, there's times I've lost a job, but I've actually ended up going another route, step of faith, doing something I enjoyed more or was better at and even made better money eventually at because of loss of job. I know people have been stuck in a job for over 30 years, and they're like, oh, I hate this job. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, if 10, 20 years ago you would have done something about it, you wouldn't be in this situation these are just small stories and scenarios and ideas. I'm trying to get us to click and think about in our own lives what we're going through. How many own a Dyson vacuum cleaner? I don't. They're too expensive. Look at all of us. are like, what, are you rich? <laughs> right? What's the cheapest one? Like $700? It's like, that thing better really suck. There's, there's a couple things in life that are awesome when they suck, but a vacuum's one of them. Right? That vacuum sucks. Awesome. Anyway. Sir James Dyson was the first to invent a vacuum cleaner without a bag. But you probably don't know this. It took him 15 years, and get this, 5,126 failed attempts to finally arrive at this groundbreaking invention. I would have maybe stopped at 10. It's not going to work. But not Sir James Dyson. Did you know he was knighted? He's a sir. Anyway, um, he doesn't usually wear his armor. That's why you don't know. But Sir James Dyson, 15 years, 5,126 failed attempts for this groundbreaking invention. You know, since Dyson has actually become a vocal advocate for embracing failure. Think about this, embracing failure. See, when you fail, sometimes you think, I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. I, I, you know, at this point, I might as well give up. I'm a loser. I'm a nobody. But no, embrace the failure. There's a reason I failed. Let me find out what that is. Holy Spirit, reveal to me what that is because you're there. You've made a promise. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. So help me in this process to embrace the failure. And maybe somehow, this is what, what Dyson does, explaining that it was the reason for his success. Sometimes failures do lead to success. Think about it when we were children. We didn't have a fear of messing up, did we? Man, have you ever just wished you could get back to that childlikeness? Now, now, the Bible says to be childlike, right? Not childish, difference, 
but childlike. In fact, that's how we learn to walk. That's how we learn to eat independently as children, to talk and to learn. We, we fell down, we got some food on the floor, we maybe uttered some gibberish, yeah, right? Like I am this morning sometimes, what's going on? You know, we messed up our colors before finally perfecting all those activities in life and maturing in those areas. Yet it was only by learning from our mistakes that we were able to perfect our skills. And this is the cool thing as children, we played freely. We had no fear. We would try new things. Now our parents were freaking out, right? What is he doing? He's living free. There's no fear. We would let our creativity run wild. Some of you this morning need to let your creativity run wild. I just turned 47 this week and thought, dear Jesus, what happened to the time? And it's just like wild. I I didn't feel any different, but I did. I think it's all here, right? And so you start thinking these things. And there's some new things in life. I mean, right now that my wife and I have been talking about, I want to venture into, I want to step into. And there's this little voice, this little voice. It's smaller than the bigger voice of my father, but this little voice that says, oh, you're too old for that. Don't start that now. You're never too old. And so it's because of that encouragement surrounding myself with people who believe in me, who they're not just blowing smoke up my skirt. I only wear skirts on Tuesdays, but who aren't (laughs) blowing smoke up my skirt. You know, it's people who embrace you and care for you. And so, you know, you, you begin to walk out. It's a step of faith, something new. And I know for people like Mike, who's, I don't know, I I was talking to my mom was the other night and she was, I love you, Mike. I was talking to my mom. I love my mom so much the other day. They were talking about her and my parents were talking about the very first flights they took. And they were saying Pan Am. I remember Pan Am. Yeah, these different places. I was like, Mom, wasn't that back when you flew on pterodactyls and they just had saddles on them? But she's gracious enough that she laughed about it, right? And then my dad was like, yeah, and they served food on those flights too. They were dinosaur eggs or something. But anyway. But it's all relative, right? And I really do think this, I, Bruce told me this one time, and I've never forgotten it, that, you know, there's, we all have different ages, but there's two main ages that I look at. First of all is the age of your body physically, but secondly, the age of your soul. Because you can have wisdom, but you don't have to be old. But you got to be smart. But I'm thinking about children here. We played freely. We tried new things. We let that creativity run wild. We were inventors. We were innovators. We were discoverers. Yet somewhere along the way, we became afraid of making mistakes. And for my personality, that's where I've been. It's like, I don't know if I should, because what if I make a mistake? What if you do? Even if the righteous fall, not just seven times, but an infinite amount of times, guess what? There's success on the other side of that, possibly in that situation. So don't give up. Get up. Stephen McCraney said this. He's a cartoon artist. He says, the master has failed more times than the beginner has even tried. Isn't that cool? So step out there. Try and maybe fail and then try again, maybe fail again. But here's the deal. It doesn't make you any less righteous because the righteous, even though they fall many, many times, they always get back up. Another thing that's interesting about this number seven in the Hebrew is their, their number system actually equaled, had these meanings. They were symbols for something. And, and, you know, you've heard of the creation story, right? 
if you read in Genesis, the creation story is literally a Hebrew poem. And so if you look at it, there's a cadence, there's a movement to it. And when you break it down, it all equals sevens. Because the, the number seven in Hebrew means completion. It means this thing is complete. So woven in of the very fabric of creation, everything is this idea of completion. And I would even say this, this word completion could mean the word maturity. Maybe we could understand it like this. Our falling over and over and over is what matures us in an area. It brings us to completion in that facet of life. Does that make sense? And here's the thing. How many know that verses can't just be pulled like plucked out of context, right? So we read 16. Look what 17 says. This is really cool. 17 says, don't be glad when your enemies meet disaster. And don't rejoice when they stumble. In other words, if that person who isn't like you, if that other person in life, they're stumbling, they hit disaster, they fall many, many times, don't gloat. Don't be glad. Why? Because real maturity isn't just the completion of success in areas of our own life. Listen to me. It's having empathy for others when they fail. Come on. I know you've heard a lot of this from the pulpit lately, but we have got to get to a place, church, where we have empathy for the other. We have got to destroy these walls of division. Listen, there is no us and them in the kingdom of God. It doesn't exist. There's no longer Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, free. That's what the Apostle Paul tells us, right? Democrat, Republican, gay, straight. I'm messing with somebody, but I'm telling you right now, we've got to get to a place where we begin to see people as human beings with emotions. We, we sit down, we hear their story, we empathize. We look through them to the point where we don't just see them, we see ourselves in them. It's a hard place to be. Well, I'm a hardcore Republican. I grew up in a Republican family. I can't sit down with a Democrat. You need to be complete, mature, and you need to grow up. Because that's a human being on the other side of that table. Do you hear me? I'm speaking kingdom. I'm speaking what Jesus spoke. I'm speaking what, speaking what the apostles spoke. This isn't just my opinion. I've had to work through these things. I used to be the guy who, who you know, well, they bombed us, so we sure as heck better bomb them. But this rabbi named Jesus said something like this. Love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Pray for those who despitefully use you. I know I'm messing with you right now. I'm just saying, how are we going to choose to live? Are we going to live out of kingdom life or our American ideals? I love America. I'm blessed to be born here. I have more freedom than many people do. But there's many times that I look in the scripture and say, wow, Jesus, you saw things differently than maybe this American ideal. Let's put it over. Then this European ideal, then this German ideal, then this Mexican ideal. Do you follow me? It isn't just a bash on America. I'm saying all world systems, all empires, they kind of look to themselves as their own source and they're forgetting there's a kingdom that Jesus came and established over 2,000 years ago called the kingdom of God. And what is it? It's right relationship. It's, dare I say it, peace. And it's joy. 
It's this idea of unity. It's this idea of inclusion. It's this idea of accepting people right where they are. Who did Jesus hang with the most? The religious leaders? No. With those that the religious system considered sinners. Why? Because he didn't see sin in them. He saw the sun in them. And we begin to see the son, which, by the way, means daughter too. It's male and female. It applies to all. When we begin to see this in people, we begin to treat people with dignity, care, and love. And I know for some of us, because of indoctrination, because of ways we think, we're like, but, but I have to tell them. I have to tell them. They have to get saved. But let me say something. We don't save anybody. It's the Holy Spirit. Come on. You could preach this message. It's the Holy Spirit. So let the Holy Spirit speak through you through love, grace, unity, care. Show that person. What's wild is when you sit down with somebody who maybe was, to you at one point, considered the other side of the aisle, a different lifestyle than you. When you sit down and talk to them, you begin to go, wow, there's a real person there with emotions and desires and hurts and, and failings and successes and loves. Does this make sense? So we have to get to the point where we see this in people. Now listen, you don't have to agree with everything they say and do. I'm not saying that. We just, just agree with everything. Listen, you have your principles, your ideals. That's fine. Live those. But you can literally live those and still accept someone where they are and show them love. And then say, and this is how it becomes easy when you go, all right, Holy Spirit, have your way. Because I don't have to change them. It's an awesome place. For me, total freedom. The weight fell off my shoulders. I don't have to save people. Now, what I do is I declare the gospel, the good news, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He's brought you in favor. Listen, he loves you. He's there. He desires relationship. Awaken to that relationship. And guess what? After that, the Holy Spirit will take care of what the Holy Spirit wants to take care of in their life. And that's a beautiful thing. But we can't limit love because when you limit love, it's not love because love is unconditional. We can't limit love based on whether you agree with me or not. I went off my notes quite a bit. Did you receive that this morning? So today I really want to encourage us all to keep getting back up again. For some of us, it may be that we'd like to change a bad habit. Maybe we'd like to kick an addiction or change our attitude. For others... Maybe we'd like to treat people better or overcome anger issues in our life. Maybe it's simply the will to go on in spite of life's setbacks that challenge us. Maybe that's where you are today. No matter who you may be, I want to encourage you also to keep on pressing forward. Your life's not over. Now, the situation really may stink it may not be good at all, but your life isn't over. Don't give up no matter how many times you fail. Did you notice here? It says that the righteous man is defined not by his failing, but by his getting back up. That's the definition because sometimes we either miss the falling part, right? Or we get stuck on the falling or the failing part. And by the way, God is not counting the number of times you fall. I believe that he's actually counting the number, if you will, of the times you get back up to finish the race. Better yet, he's the one pulling you to your feet and holding you steady 
when you're afraid, when you're unsure, just plain tired. In fact, the psalmist says it like this in Psalms 37, 23. The steps of a man are established by the Lord and he delights in his ways. Get this. And when he falls, he will not be hurled headlong. Why? Because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Isn't that awesome? Father loves you. He's not going anywhere. And I can't even pretend to be in your shoes this morning. I'm not trying to. The worst thing you can say sometimes to people when they tell you tragedy or what's going on is like, yeah, I understand. I get it. No, you don't. Close your lips for a minute. I know your intentions. Listen, I'm the same person. I had to learn this because I've done several funerals. And that's one thing you don't say. Just, Just placing a hand on their shoulder and saying, I'm here for you. Say, I love you. I care for you. I'm praying for you. Let's find ways to empathize. Let's find ways to try to see past our little pat answers because we've all said them, we've all done them. I, I get that, I've been there, I'm just as guilty. But I think when we get to this point, we start to see us in them, there'll be no more us in them. And we'll see human beings and, and we'll literally get to this point where we say, wow, you know what, even though you're going through that tragedy, I know one thing, God's with you and he cares for you. He's not the author of this tragedy, but he's there and he promised he'll never leave you. And I'm here too. Does that make sense? Don't let your failures define you. The final point really is this. God doesn't define you by how many times you fall, but he rejoices each time you get back up and start again. How do I know this? Well, there's scripture, but I'm also a father. I never defined my children on their screw-ups. When they were little and they were trying to walk for the first time and they found like, yep, see, you're a faller, what a loser. Call CPS, pastor's cussing his children out again for falling. But, you know, I mean, it's ridiculous, right? If your child falls, if they mess up, if they drop something, if they spill milk, don't cry over spilled milk. Remember that saying? There's all these sayings we have, but the truth is I never defined them by that. At 30 years old, I don't say, yeah, Bianca, I know who you are. What? You're a milk spiller. That's not who she is. Like, you're a beautiful young lady who loves your family, who's good to your family. You're full of love and grace and goodness. I mean, these are the things we should tell our kids. Why? Because we're not basing their identity. We don't define them on their failures. But we are so excited and we rejoice every time they decide to get back up and do it again and try it again, and start again. And that's how your heavenly father is with you. You receive that this morning? Let's pray. Heavenly father, we just, we just thank you for your grace, your mercy, your goodness, your kindness, your love toward us. It's just absolutely amazing when we open ourselves up to this relationship. And sometimes we have to get past maybe these preconceived ideas that we've heard growing up or going to a church or, or just in general, what, you know, what we've heard, what we've gleaned as we've been in this journey of life. But I pray this morning that maybe some more of those issues, those blockages, those veils, if you will, are being removed. I mean, right here in this book of wisdom, In Proverbs, the 24th chapter in the 16th verse, it says flat out that the righteous 
will fall. They will fail. But the key is that we get back up. And it's so beautiful that the psalmist tells us that the reason we can get up is because you're right there with us, holding our hand, securing us. And so for some of us this morning, we just have to awaken to that. We have to believe that. We can never walk in. We can never receive what we don't believe. With your heads bowed and even your eyes closed, just for maybe some focus point here, say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and thank you for your grace toward me. I trust you. I trust your will for my life. I have faith in your love toward me. I believe in your goodness toward me. And so I receive that right now. Say this, Jesus, my heart is open. Do what you need to do to soften me, to help me see others differently to become who you've called me to be. That I will begin to walk out kingdom. And others will see that in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, We pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.